I come before you now to ask Holy Spirit that you would even now stir up words of encouragement, stir up prophetic words, stir up pictures, um, things that you would say of your children, these young people of our church. Oh, Lord, would you bring those things now to mind? Would you just open our eyes to your truth about your young people? I'm going to let you guys keep waiting on the Lord, but you girls have anything you wanted to share? Don't be shy. No? Okay. All right. Lord, I just thank you so much for the 60-plus teenagers that came last week and were able to set aside time to focus on you, to listen to you, to worship you. Um, and Lord, we, we recognize, even as we sit here in this room, these young people are the next generation of um, seeing your kingdom come in earth on the earth as it is in heaven and so you have even as we sang greater works for these young people to do for your kingdom and so lord even now stir up those words of encouragement to them in jesus name does anybody have anything already that you would want to share with them any words of encouragement scriptures anything Tyler, come on up and say it into the microphone because we are. Well, I do want to record this, and uh, there's value in going back to these recordings and, and listening to these things. So go ahead, Tyler. I'm so thankful you guys went on this retreat, this youth camp. How are you feeling after you came back from it? Tired. Okay, yes, there is that. But while you were there, it was awesome. The greatest thing, you guys couldn't wait to get home and tell all your friends. But here we are all sitting here. You guys haven't said a word. <laughs> and I just want to tell you, that mountaintop experience you had, that, that joy that you had, don't let it be like that. Don't let it fade away like the memories that we were singing in that song where death is just a memory. Don't let these memories of what you guys learned that day fade away because the more that you pull into Jesus, the more that you learn, the more that you follow him, you keep your eyes on him no matter what happens. You guys will have experiences like that that you'll never regret. You guys have taken your first steps into a larger world with him and with Life with Christ, it's never boring. It is never something that you will run out of things to enjoy. It's never something that you'll, you'll wish you had spent your time doing something else. But letting it fade, you will always have that feeling. So take this and continue with what you guys learned that day, can, or learned that weekend. Take this, continue on the path that you started, all of you. Sure, I can pray for that. Father, I thank you for these four. I thank you for all the children who went on that retreat. I thank you for the curiosity, Lord, that you have rewarded with your presence, the, the glimpse that they've seen of the, the treasure that you are, Father. And Lord, though they won't understand everything they've seen and still won't understand everything that you do, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they, they never forget the experience they had with you, the realization that you are here, that you do care for us, that you do love us beyond our understanding. And Father, meet them on this road, meet them on this path they're on. And Lord, I pray that you would inspire them to inspire others to join them on that path. Lord, I, I pray that they would be grounded in you spiritually. I pray that this firm foundation that is being built here will continue to be built upon. And Lord, I pray for you to 
open up their calendars for next year that they can go and enjoy another week with you to continue to build on that foundation and bring it home to us, Father. We pray for all this in your name and the Lord's people said. Amen. All right, Brother Larry. I have this um, word from you from 1 Corinthians. It's, it's uh, verse 9, chapter 2. And I thought about you guys when, when Dan was talking about this just a couple minutes ago, this verse. I think it's perfect. Um, but it's written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of a young lady imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So my prayer for you this morning is that, um, that you would understand that um, as you grow, as you get older, as all these things in the world that are swaying you right, swaying you to the left, that you may understand that the Lord, the Lord loves you and he wants to guide you in his path. So my prayer is today is that you will just listen. You open your eyes of your hearts, your minds to the Lord and what he has for you. You'll listen and, um, and when you listen, you'll obey. And there'll be the evil one will pull you astray. There'll be so many things that it'll distract you and try to take you off the path. There'll be things in this world that look great and glamorous and beautiful to you. And at the end, they're, they're, the, they're the work of the deceiver. So I pray for you. This, I pray for strength for you and for, for wisdom for you and discernment that you will um, you'll walk in the path of the Lord especially as you get just a little bit older and all these things start coming upon you and pressures and things, you won't take your eye off of Jesus. And that's his name I pray. Amen. Anybody else got anything you want to share over them? Um, just now, just hearing the Lord say, you will stand for me. You will stand for me. You will stand for me. Uh, Ariana. I know you've had back problems. And I just saw your back straightening up and you standing tall. You're standing tall for, for Jesus. Uh, for the twins, I saw you like um, the twin towers. You, were, uh, you weren't in rubble, but you kind of leaned into one another. And it's like your foundation together went deep, that together you stood for Christ, right? And Trinity, you're just tall. <laughs> so your head, I saw your head above the clouds that you, perhaps Lord, even given you uh, a gift of seeing, seeing into the spiritual, uh, what others perhaps don't always discern, you would have eyes for those kind of things. So Lord, I, I pray in Jesus' name that um, by your grace, your kids, your children would stand for you, that they would stand firm against all that the world will throw at them, all the empty lies that will be tossed their direction, all the um, deceiving ideologies that will be put before them. Lord, I pray for protection, that through all the chaos they would stand uh, for you. Lord, I pray uh, even healing. Lord, I, I pray for healing over Ariana's back that... Um, that it would be a prophetic sign, um, that your healing of her body is a representation of what you intend to do in her life in the spiritual sense. She would stand uh, for you. Uh, for the twins, Lord, I pray that you would give them deep roots, uh, just kind of leaning in to one another when there's storms and turmoil that may come uh, into their lives or where there may even uh, be uh, stressed friendships along the way that they could lean towards one another and that leaning into one another is a leaning into you and so may they stand Lord for for you uh, through the trials and Lord I pray for Trinity that you'd give her something of spiritual discernment um, that she wouldn't be tossed by the the wind and the waves of the world but that her 
her eyes would go above it all, above the clouds to see your purposes and your way. So Lord, we bless them in Jesus' name. We bless them to stand and to stand firm uh, in your grace to accomplish the purposes that you've intended for them. Lord, we pray that nothing would uh, be stolen away by the enemy. The enemy has been bound and now these young ones get to plunder his house in this next generation. So may it be that they would stand firm, stand tall uh, and you and see your kingdom realized all the more in Jesus name. that right now and basically it's it's kids your age okay so during one of the games the pitcher was like fairly tall and fairly big he could throw a fastball at 70 miles an hour so the batter was the batter was this little kid he's smaller the pitcher accidentally hit the kid in the head with the ball 70 miles an hour he goes down he doesn't get up eventually he comes to and is able to slowly walk down to first base and stay in the game in the meantime the pitcher on the mound gets down on the ground and cries and he keeps crying and he's crying so hard that he can't pitch. And all the crowd is in like a hush. And nobody came out to console him. The boy that was hit by the pitch threw his helmet down on the ground and walked out to the mound and hugged him. And the fact that that happened it was on Facebook and it's gone all around the world on the internet but the fact is that the Lord works with kids and when those two kids hugged it shows the power that the Lord can do in kids because the pitcher of the pitcher recovered and they went back and they finished the game normally but I just wanted to impart that to everybody as to what can happen with the power of forgiveness. Even uh, Dan, as you were sharing about you guys standing for the Lord, he, uh, he put in my heart the story of Stephen. I don't know if you remember the story of Stephen. He was the first deacon in the church in the book of Acts. And he was preaching the gospel. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the religious people actually began stoning him to put him to death because they were so mad at him. And as he's standing there about to die for the sake of the gospel, the scripture says, he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. And so like as you stand, um, it's only by the fact that Christ is standing at the right hand of God and filling you with his spirit. And so, Lord, I just pray for these girls. I pray for Tristan and even the other young people in here. Lord, I pray that they would understand the importance of pursuing you with everything they have. Lord, I pray that they would truly know deep down in their hearts what it is to be filled by your spirit and to speak boldly for the name of Jesus as they even get a glimpse of you standing at the right hand of the Father in glory. And Lord, even as we'll talk in a few minutes, you've called these young people into that glory to stand for you. So Lord, I pray that you would just fill them with boldness, fill them with your spirit, and strengthen them in their walk with you. In Jesus' name. Any, any last words of encouragement before we transition? Come on, Dave. I just want to share that um, you guys, when we first started coming here to, um, to the church, you guys were 
starting to you know get involved with the Lord and everything like that. But what really stand up, stood out on me was how you guys weren't afraid to show your Christianity or prayers or anything like that while you were at school. So I want to encourage you to continue to do that, to continue to pray for your lunches, continue to pray before you do whatever you decide to do. Yeah. Uh, consult one another. Um, pray together as, as unity and unity, you know, together when you guys are playing basketball, whatever the case may be. That really stuck out at me, and, and, and when he said it, and then he said it, and then he turned around and said it as well, you know, you're standing for God. You're standing in his, in, in his glory. So I just want to encourage you. I just want to pray again for wisdom, for endurance and perseverance, and again for protection. In Jesus' name. Jupiter. Praise the Lord. Uh, a lot of see cakes like that uh, putting in effort to serve God. If you look at the uh, New Testament from the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I urge you to thee as you are put your foot in to the house of God and in the things of God. The devil will fret you most of the time. But always keep pressing forward. Don't give up. Persevere. So I ask you that God will continue to guard you. You are young and coming up into the things of God. You will come at, across trials and temptation. But no matter how trial and temptation may come, keep pressing forward. Always submit to the Lord. Give yourself to him. Do not get weak. Uh, you may run, run for God, and sometimes you may fall by the wayside. But the Bible says, do not remain there. Wake up and continue the work of God. May God bless you. All right, any last ones? All right. You guys can leave the hot seat, if you will. But... <laughs> I do want to encourage you guys, even the rest of today, if the Lord puts something in your mind, please share it with these young people or, or the other young people in the room as well. The Lord wants all of you to follow him. Right, Wazir? He wants all of you. So with that, this is just like a two-minute video. Um, let me turn the sound on. All right, Tyler, can you go ahead and hit that video? Make sure the laptop's unmuted as well. That's Tristan in the green shirt, by the way.
Yeah. Yeah, let that be a little promo for next year. I know there's like a whole bunch of young people that I was really hoping would be able to come and couldn't make it this year. So we had a lot of fun. And as I told you guys, I was a little tired from sleeping in a tent and getting bit and all that. Um, so Dan asked me to share the message that I shared with the young people at the camp. And so that's where we're going to be. And I'm going to have to like trim this down a little bit. Uh, I don't want to put anyone to sleep. So <laughs> if you guys could turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17, we're going to transition right into this message, which is called Made to Magnify. And as we got together with the teens, the theme of the week was magnifying God's glory. And we used this uh, illustration, which m some of you may have heard of. Uh, there's an old book by Jonathan Edwards, which then was picked up by John Piper, and he wrote on it. And um, the idea is that God is passionate about his own glory. And so even he brings us into a life that is all about God's glory. And the illustration, you can see it in the little picture there, is a telescope where a telescope is used to take something that's far away, that's really large, and to bring it close so that we can see the details of that thing. And so the idea of magnify for the young people is to be that telescope that is capturing the, the magnitude of God and bringing it close to be able to see all the details of the Lord in his glory. And so I jumped in with this message, which is to get to the point that, um, that we were made for that very purpose. And so as we jump into John 17, and we're thinking about being made to magnify God's glory, I want to just put before you the question of what happens when you use something against its purpose, like when you use the wrong tool for the job to try to do something, what happens when you do that? Have you ever got like tried to fix something and you don't have the right tool handy and you're like, just grab whatever? What happens when you try to do something with the wrong tool for the wrong purpose? It doesn't work, right? Broken tools, broken objects, uh, you name it. What happens is the purpose, like the purpose isn't fulfilled, right? The thing you're intending to do doesn't happen. And even like, I don't know, a week or two ago, I got a splinter in my finger and I said to Kate, hey, can you go grab your tweezers so I can get the splinter out? And Judah runs over to his little toy toolbox and gets the saw out <laughs> and runs over <laughs> and is like, daddy saw. And like that is the illustration right there. When you try to use something like that doesn't fit with its purpose, it just has bad results. And so even when you think about like people, when a person lives their life against their purpose or outside of their purpose, the intended result doesn't happen. Like when people are living outside of what God has intended them to do, things get broken. People get broken. And to be honest, like that's what we are all experiencing like on a day-to-day -day basis is so many times picking up the pieces of things that have been broken as we try to live outside of our purpose, right? And so we're going to look at John 17 to see what the Lord's purpose is for us. And so as we considered with the kids, like God is passionate about his own glory, it kind of makes him feel distant from us when you say it that way. If we think about it in human terms, if I'm passionate about my glory, you guys would think I'm crazy, right? Like, I'm just a selfish, crazy person that is only about myself. And so when we think about the Lord being passionate about his glory, it's oftentimes filtered by our human understanding, and it kind of makes him feel far off. But the reality is, as we'll see in a moment, the fact that God is passionate about his glory is the best news for us. It is the absolute best news for us, and it gives us our purpose. The Lord's passion for his own glory and his own name is what gives us purpose and direction in life. 
So to use the words of Hebrews 12, I want to take the first few moments looking unto Jesus as he prays this prayer in John 17. Let's look to Jesus, the very author and the perfecter of our faith, to see what his purpose is for us. So let's jump right in. John chapter 17. You guys, this is a well-known passage, and this is like right before Jesus goes to the crucifixion. He offers up this prayer to the Lord, and this is coming at a moment where Jesus is carrying the most unimaginable emotional weight as he knows what's set before him. He knows he has just said farewell to his best friends. That's John chapter 14 through 16 as he's telling them, look, this is the time. I now I'm going to leave you, and you're going to be here without me, knowing that he's going to go to the cross. Think about the weight of that burden as Jesus speaks these words to his father. The reality is, in that moment, Jesus was being pressed, like the olive in the olive oil press. Like He was being pressed by the weight of his mission to take our sin. And when we get pressed by difficult, weighty situations, what's in our heart comes out, right? The real you comes out when you're pressed, when you're crushed, when you're squeezed. And this is what, like, we're getting the real Jesus. We're getting the heart of Jesus in John 17 as he's getting crushed with the weight of the cross before him. So John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, I just want to work through it in kind of sections says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. As you read through those first few verses, the Lord is opening us up to the glory of God. He is revealing to us his very purpose, his very intention, his very desire on the earth. And the thing that jumps out to me the most, even as I just kind of read through that at surface level, is that Jesus stayed true to his purpose through everything. Look with me at the beginning of verse 2. He's praying to the Father. You have given me authority over all flesh. Picture Jesus standing at the throne with his father from all eternity and the father granting him authority over all flesh. And it's an authority that comes with the rule and reign over everything. It comes with honor. It comes with majesty. It comes with all of the beauty and wealth and worth that we could ever imagine and more Jesus is given authority over all flesh by his father and this authority look at verse 3 I'm sorry look at the end of verse 2 this authority is specifically to give eternal life to people and even more so this authority given to the son by the father is to give people eternal life by, look at the second part of verse 3. This is eternal life that they know you. Like, Jesus has been given all authority to introduce you to the glory of God. Think about that. To give you life by introducing you to that eternal glory that we can't even imagine. And so Jesus takes that authority and he sets out to do that very thing, to give eternal life by introducing people 
to the glory of God. And verse 4 says that he accomplished that work. Jesus is like taking eternity and condensing it down into these three little statements like you've given me authority over all flesh to give eternal life so that people would know you and I have accomplished that work think about the fact that Jesus is saying this before he goes to the cross like he has already accomplished the work before he's actually accomplished it that shows us how sure how steady how faithful how just irreversible Jesus' purpose, Jesus' desire, Jesus' will is for us that it's so certain that he's already accomplished it before he's even done it. He came into the world with all authority to give eternal life and he accomplished that work. As Hebrews 12 says, he despised the shame of the cross considering the joy that was set before him of accomplishing that work of bringing life to those whom the Father had given him. As we look to Jesus to, to find our purpose, like we've got to start there. Jesus' purpose was to bring us into the glory of God that we would know him. Jesus' very purpose was to be the second Adam, to be the ideal man that obeyed the Father perfectly. And he saw that purpose through, despite all that he went through, endured as a human on this earth, walking in human flesh, being persecuted, being murdered. He stayed true to his purpose and accomplished the work that the Father set before him. The underlying purpose of all of this, look back at verse 1. Father, glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Look at verse 4. I glorified you on earth by accomplishing that work. Look at verse 5. Father, now glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. This glory is multifaceted. It's the worth and the weight of a holy, eternal God. But it's also the glory of a victorious warrior who has gone out to save his people. Think about the glory of a victory against all odds. Even in, like, football. We know something of glory. This isn't a, just a religious term. Think about the glory of the underdog going out on the court or the field and defeating the giant team that seems against all odds to win that battle. Take that and multiply it by exponential numbers. When you think about the glory of Jesus taking that eternal worth as the eternal God stepping into the earth to win back the people whom the Lord had given him. There's a there's like glory upon glory upon glory in all different degrees. And Jesus is all about that glory. He's like, Lord, you've given me authority. I've accomplished the work. And there's glory in that that's just multiplied. That eternal glory before the world existed. Jesus and his Father and the Spirit had no need of us to have glory, right? God is eternally glorious without us and has no need of us. Yet there is something about his desire to create us, to magnify him, that multiplies that glory. It magnifies that glory. And it adds just so much depth and degree to that glory as the Lord makes himself known to people. I can't even begin to imagine the glory that the Father had with the Son before the world existed. But now, I want to direct your attention to the next few verses, because as we think about God's glory, His transcendence, His holiness, we still have to get to the bottom of our hearts and ask the question, like, where do I fit into that? Like, I know that as a Christian I'm supposed to glorify God. I know that up here. But what do I do with all the dreams and the desires that I have? What do I do with the particular ways that God has gifted me and called me 
like how do I bring that together with God's transcendent glory? Because like I said, it can make him feel distant. Well, as we keep going in the text, we start looking by at, start by looking at Jesus, and then we can look at those who are closest to him on the earth during his ministry. The people whom the Father gave to the Son in verse 6. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. They have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the rest of the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Ooh, I wish we could spend more time on this passage. There's so much in there. But these are the people that Jesus has around him. These are the disciples whom he is speaking to just before this, the ones whom the Father has given him. Stop to think about that for a minute. The Lord has people who belong to him even before they exist. Do you guys, like, can you wrap your brain around that? That the Lord has people who belong to him even before they exist. That's incredible. That's insane. Like, we can't even understand that. And here Jesus is saying, these guys who are around me are the ones whom the Father has given me to win out of the world. These are the ones that the Father has given me authority over that I might save them. And so he's praying for them. Father, keep them. He goes on to say that I myself have protected them. I've guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except for Judas, which has been appointed from all eternity, right? Jesus has guarded the ones whom the Father has given him to save. There's something about these guys around Jesus of eternal belonging. And that is so important for us because we all want to belong somewhere, right? We all desire to belong somewhere. And Jesus, as he prays, is saying, these followers of me have belonged to me since before time. These followers of me that have belonged to me that I came to rescue are my inheritance and my prize and my glory as I win them back from the sin of the, of the world. He is victorious in the darkness of this world as he wins back those people. It's God's eternal will for those individuals that's driving Jesus' mission to save them, right? But look with me again at verse 6 at the beginning. He says, I have manifested your name to those people. This is the touch point between God's transcendent eternal glory and humans. This is the touch point that the glory of God be manifested on earth by Jesus. Even when you read this phrase, I know like we're, we're probably more familiar with the term manifested than the teenagers are, but like when you think about that phrase, I manifested my name, it just means that Jesus revealed something that had been previously unknown. He uncovered something that had been hidden he made obvious something that wasn't. And so as a human, if I would say to you, like, I'm manifesting my name, it would just be like me introducing myself. Hi, I'm James. But when we read this in Scripture, that Jesus made known the name of his Father to people, there's so much more weight and depth to what that means than him just saying a name. 
Turn with me in your Bibles back to Exodus 34. If you remember, I know Dan loves this passage, and he preached on it a couple years ago, Exodus 33 into 34. You can go back and listen on our website if you want. It's from the prayer series, and it's really good. But Exodus 33 and 34, you have Moses saying to the Lord, Show me your glory. Man, we could just hang out there and think about what it would be like to have a conversation with the Lord where we can say to him, show me your glory. And then for the Lord to actually agree to do so. Man. And so the Lord says, you can't see my face. This is the end of chapter 33. For man shall not see me and live. Behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and when my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. And then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Imagine the anxiety that Moses must have felt leading up to that encounter. And so the Lord says to Moses, I want you to cut yourself two tablets like the first, and I will write on them the words that were on the first ones which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to the mountain and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come with you. Let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds even graze opposite the mountain. So Moses cut the tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning, I'm sure fearful and trembling as he goes up this mountain. As the Lord had commanded him, he took in his hand the two tablets of stone, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And this is what I want you to catch. The glory of the Lord descends on the mountain, and he proclaims his name. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The glory of God is revealed through the name Yahweh, as this character of steadfast, eternal love and faithfulness. For Jesus to manifest the name of Yahweh to those people around him was not just to say the name Yahweh, but to actually unveil the glorious character of who God is. God's glory and God's name and God's character are all wrapped up in his steadfast, eternal love and faithfulness. And so here you have Jesus manifesting that name to those around him. As Hebrews 1 says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact imprint of God's nature. And as John 1 says, we have seen that glory. He came and dwelt among us in human flesh, and we've seen that glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, who's full of grace and truth. Jesus manifested the glory of God by living before humans as God would live, and they were able to see that. They were able to know that. They were able to taste that goodness, that faithfulness, as Jesus revealed that glory. Now, this is super important for us. Notice how the disciples respond to that manifestation of God's glory. All the ministry that Jesus did, the miracles he performed, the messages he spoke, they were this progressive unveiling of God's beautiful character. And the text says in verse 8 that the disciples received all the words that Jesus gave them. And then he goes on to say that they have come to know in truth 
that I am from you. And then he goes on to say that they have believed that, that you have sent me. The disciples received freely from Jesus this manifestation of God's glory. They marveled at him. They were amazed by him. They wondered at him. They were perplexed by him. They were fearful of him at times. They were in awe of him. But the way Jesus describes their response is that they received him and they believed in who he was and they kept his word. This is what Dan was talking about last week with Abraham. This is not just like, yes, I agree that Jesus came from the Father. This is a belief of faith in the very character of who Jesus is. That Jesus would say, they know that the Father and the Son are God. They know that I am the Lord. And they have staked everything on that. They have put everything in me. They have given all of themselves for all of me. And Jesus says in verse 10, I am glorified in that. That response glorifies God. All of me for all of him. And then Jesus goes on to say, because they have responded that way, I am sending them into the world the same way you've sent me into the world. And they're going to serve me in such a way that, that my joy will be fulfilled in them. The response to God's glory is to behold it and to believe in who he is. And that brings us to us. I'm going to close with this. Hear the Lord's heart for you. Verse 20. Jesus continues to pray. And he says, I don't ask for these only, speaking of the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. If you have believed in Jesus... He's praying for you. He is praying for all who would come to that place of saying, Jesus is the Lord. He is the glorious king. I believe in him. I receive him. I want to keep his word. I'm placing everything in him. He's praying for you in this moment before he takes your sin on his shoulders on the cross. I don't know about you, but I love to be prayed for and the idea of Jesus himself praying for me or for you is incredible. He's praying for you. And notice what specifically he prays. Lord, I'm not asking for these only, but for those who will believe that they may all be one. Jesus is praying that we all would behold the glory of God and be roped into it in complete intimacy and unity with each other. And then he goes on to say, also, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Jesus' desire for you is to be unified with his people and himself in the closest of intimacy with the unity that the Father and the Son and the Spirit had from all eternity. That is incredible. His prayer for you is to be unified with each other and with him. But then he goes on to elaborate on this. Like, he doesn't just mention it. He continues to pray for it. The glory that you have given me, Father, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. That is a huge prayer. How many of you believe that the church can be perfectly unified before we get to heaven? Ooh. But Jesus is praying for that. Like, he's talking about them while they're in the world. 
He's not talking about taking them out of the world into heaven and being unified. He's praying for their unity while they're in the world now that we would be perfectly one in intimacy with God. He has shared his glory with you. So when we think about God's glory and his passion for that glory, yes, he is transcendent and holy, for sure. But his his desire is to bring you into that glory, to share it with you. His very desire is that we taste and see the glory of the Lord forever. And what does he say is the result of that unity in the Lord? That the world would know who Jesus is. Jesus manifested the name of the Lord He sent the disciples to do the same, and then he prays for us to do the same. He has sent us into the world to reveal the glory of who God is. That we would see his glory. Let me skip ahead here to verse 24. He's praying for our unity, that we would be in him, that the world would know who he is, and that we would see his glory where he is. Because the Father has loved him before the foundation of the world. All of everything in this life flows out of the eternal glory of the Lord and his divine will that we would get to taste and see what he's like. That we would get to dwell with him forever. That he would be able to reveal all of himself to us. That we would enjoy him with the fullest of joy forever. And he's calling you and me into that. He's not standing off at a distance. Jesus' very purpose in coming to the world was to include us in his glory. He wants you to know him and to make him known. And it's that very steadfast, eternal love that the Father and the Son had from all eternity that he loves you with, that he wants the world to know about that he wants the world to see by the way we relate to each other. He wants the world to be able to come in here on a Sunday morning and see the love that the Father and the Son have for each other and to taste it. And you're like, well, again, to use the analogy, I, I lost my keys. I can't find my charger. I, like, stumble out of bed. I fell through the floor. How is the world going to know God's glory through me? Because he has put his love in you. Verse 26. I've made known your name and will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me with may be in them and I in them. Brothers and sisters, the glory of God is in us through his spirit. He is in us through his spirit. The love of God shed abroad on our hearts, poured out in us to be shared as he reveals himself to us and we reveal him to others. Our purpose in this life is to be all about that. It's to be all in the river. It's to flow with the spirit, to walk in step with the spirit, not giving in to the flesh, And to make him known to everyone that we bump into. At at the camp, we talked about this picture of a, a sponge. When a sponge is filled with water and you bump it or you drop it or you squeeze it or you touch it, the water comes out. Each of us is to be that sponge that is filled with rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit. That when we bump into someone, when we're pressed in life, when difficulties, when pain happens, when tragedy hits... When we're squeezed, rivers of living water and the glory of God flow out of us. He's all about his glory by bringing us into it. And so, Lord, I pray now that you would just, oh, Spirit of God, stretch, open our hearts and minds to this reality. Oh, Lord. We can't grasp it in the flesh. The flesh is of no help to understanding these things. The flesh is of no help in practicing these things. But Lord, to give all of ourselves to the Spirit of God, 
Lord, to be all about your glory and your name is where the joy is found. It's where the intimacy is found. It's where our purpose is found, and it's where we actually can find something of accomplishing our purpose in life when we're all about that. And so, Lord, I pray, even as we talk this morning, and even the, this was the burden the Lord gave to me when I spoke this to the young people, there are many people who don't know what it feels like to actually be loved by God. There are many people who don't know the intimacy of relationship with God because every relationship we've had has given us the wrong idea of what that means. And so, Lord, I pray now that you would touch us with your love, that we would taste it, that we would know it so deeply, just like your disciples, that we would receive it, that we would know it in truth, and that we would believe it to the point of giving our very lives to make you known. The Lord is seeking worshipers. That's what Jesus said in John 4. He is seeking worshipers who worship him in spirit and truth. He's seeking worshipers who give all of themselves for all of him. And so, Lord, that's my prayer today, that as we get a glimpse of your glory, even that picture of you standing by the throne in all glory, clothed in majesty, the victorious one. Lord, would you just help us understand that to the bottom of our hearts, Lord. Would you bring that truth to bear on our very lives that when we bump into someone, the glory of God is known. Spirit, would you come now and just land this truth in our hearts. In Jesus' name.
pastor before you on behalf of this congregation. Lord, we cannot go through this life as those untouched by your glory. We can't afford to go through this life without knowing your spirit within. So I trust, Lord, that you are ever so gentle. You don't come barging in. You slowly just kind of dismantle our defenses and show us slowly but surely how there is more to it. So with Paul, Lord, I, I just cry out to you that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that the capacity of our hearts would be transformed, engineered, so that we might know in greater measure the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Lord, we trust that we ask those things, pray those things, because Jesus, you prayed those things in John 17. Oh, that your glory God's doing something in our midst. I know we've perhaps said that in the past, uh, and, and it's true, I guess, of any church as well. Uh, so, but there is something, uh, these past so many years have, have not been for nothing. It's like a, a shaping of sorts to bring us to a place where we're doing things And the point isn't just to do things differently. If we're going to be the multifaceted, diverse family of God that we're intended to be for this community, it has to begin with the glory of the Father. Amen. It has to begin there. You don't just start doing like social justice kind of stuff. You just don't become agenda driven. You just don't step into politics, so to speak, and, and think that you're going to become something. Has it helped, ultimately? Oh, my goodness. That's why Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, religiosity. Careful that you're not just slapping some generic label on Jesus. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Politics. Here's, here's new things that are going to help us out. Here's new things that are just going to make things better. Father sitting back saying, my, my purposes are not going to get filled through Pharisees or Herod. It's going to get me filled through my church. Mm. Amen. They need me. They need my glory. With his glory will come everything that we are intended to be for this neighborhood. Right? There will be healing where there's brokenness. Yeah. Where, where there is division, there will be harmony and beauty. Mm. So God's doing it.